You're listening to the Elim Church Northampton podcast. This message was recorded live as part of our regular Sunday service. We know that this is a great investment into your life. So tune in and give it a listen. For more information, visit elimnorthampton.com. Thanks, thanks, Jason. Morning, all. Oh, great to be with you. Been looking forward to being with Northampton Elim here at the Savoy. I thought they were going to be giving out sausages or something. I'm not, not quite sure where I was coming to, but great to be here. And uh, I'd love to show you one of my books, The Discipleship Lifestyle, How Disciples Develop Disciples. That's what we're called to, isn't it? Uh, some of you have read the Bible, Matthew 28, The Great Commission of Jesus. And uh, so I wrote that during lockdown about 18 months ago, and it seems to be scratching where lots of people are reaching, uh, which is fantastic. What a great morning so far. Let's hope it continues <laughs> as we go forward. Just a, a great sense of the presence of God uh, in our midst. And uh, I believe that in the next few minutes, um, God wants to continue to do us good. Amen? It's the sort of God that he is. Um, I, don't know, I don't know what brings you here to church this morning. Maybe it's because you're a regular here at Northampton Elim Church. Um, it could be that this is your very first time or you haven't been many times at all. But one of the things that I'm absolutely convinced of is this, that it's not a coincidence, it's not an accident that we've ended up in this place at this time. I believe that there's a God who cares so much about people like you and me that he wants to speak right into our individual situations and not only speak into our situations, but help us to move on in our journey in life. Amen? It's the sort of God that he is. But when I was younger, when I was much younger, I was, I was one of those sort of people who used to believe in God um, uh, sometimes. Anybody ever felt like that? You know, when you believe in God sometimes. So, for example, you know, you wake up in the morning and the sun's shining through your bedroom window and the birds are singing and you slept really well and uh, you get out of bed and you think to yourself, yes, there must be a God. Huh? And that's fine until a few days later you wake up in the morning and you've slept really badly because you made that mistake of having cheese on toast before you went to bed. Does that, does that always give you really strange dreams? You, you, anybody know what I'm... Maybe it's different in Northampton. I don't know. And, uh, you know, it's pouring down with rain outside and the birds are not singing because your next door neighbour shot them all the day before. And uh, it, it's not until you get out of bed and you put your slippers on that you realise that, that the dog has peed in your slippers overnight and, yeah, it's really bad and... Did he, did he really? Is that okay? Can I say that, Jason? Too late. So you make your way into the bathroom. Now, here's a question. Who is it in your household, in your house, who uses the last toothpaste in the tube and leaves the tube there empty? Do you know what I'm talking about? Because in the morning when you wake up, you've got that film on your teeth, haven't you? Yes. Not in Northampton. Just, okay, all right. <laughs> Well, in other parts of the country, they've got this film on the teeth and they want to clean their teeth, but there's no toothpaste left in the tube, except you think to yourself, 
If I squeeze this tube, you know, finger over finger from the bottom like this, it's family sized. Eventually a bit will come out the top and it does. And it misses your brush straight down the plug hole. So you go downstairs into the kitchen. You're the last person in the house and you reach into the cupboard for the bran flakes. Now, who is it in your house who uses the last flakes in the box and puts the box back empty? Why? I mean, why do they do that? I mean, well, it's nearly empty. There's like a little bit of, you know, crumbs in the bottom. But you think to yourself, I'll have some toast. So you walk across to the bread bin and you open the bread bin and there in the bread bin is that crust that's been sitting there for 14 days. And you take it out of the wrapper and there's like, there's like a football pitch growing on it. You know, it's, it, it, it's green. But there's nothing else in the house. So what are you going to do? Scrape off the green and you put it into the pop-up toaster and you go to make yourself a cup of coffee. Now, why is it on days like this that pop-up toasters always seem to forget that they are pop-up toasters. So you're making your cup of coffee, you think, what's, what's that smell? Fire! So you run across, you pop it up manually, and now it's not green, it's black. But there's nothing else. So you scrape off the black, and you smear it with butter and marmalade or whatever, and it's on the plate. You're walking across to the kitchen table, and of course, on mornings like this, the piece of toast always falls off the plate and begins, you know, pirouetting down towards the kitchen carpet. It's like everything goes into slow motion. Oh, no! You're trying to catch it before it hits the carpet. Uh, but on mornings like this, do you ever manage to do it? No. And on mornings like this, does the piece of toast ever land marmalade side up? Not a chance. So you pick it off the carpet and now on top of the marmalade, there are all sorts of other interesting things. Dog hairs, old dry roasted peanuts, somebody's toenail clippings. And you stand there in the middle of the kitchen and you think to yourself, there cannot be a God. Because if there was a God, he would not let all these bad things happen in my life. Anybody ever been there? Okay. So what is it that changes our mind? What is it that changes our direction in life? Well, we could answer that in all sorts of different ways this morning. But for me, the major thing was this. It was actually experiencing God for myself. You know, the Bible says, taste and see that God is good. It's like as you experience God for yourself, then you know that he's real, that he's good, that he cares, that he loves you, that he's got an ability to deal with your past and give you a bright and meaningful future. That's the sort of God that he is. And I believe that even this morning as we gather in the name of Jesus, that whatever your journey has been this far in life, whatever your story is, God wants you to experience Him. 
And so I wanted to share with you for a few minutes on this subject of how do we experience the power of Jesus Christ? How do we experience the power of Jesus Christ? And I want, I want to just focus in on one person's encounter with Jesus in the Gospels that totally transformed his whole situation. Because I believe the same could be true for you and me this morning. So I'm going to dive in here. This is Luke's Gospel. You know Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. This is Luke's Gospel and chapter 5. And uh, we're going to read these words. Verse 16, I think it is. Uh, that's what I wrote down here anyway. It says this. It says, One day Jesus was teaching and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. Now, if you don't know, by the way, folks, Pharisees and teachers of the law, they were the religious people of Jesus' day, the religious leaders. How many of you know that God is not into religion? God is not into religion. I think, you know, uh, religion, being religious can make life very, very boring. But what we're talking about today is more than, uh, it's not even about being religious. It's about having a dynamic friendship with our creator. That's something totally different. Now, the, they, these people, they had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and they tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. I just find this really funny. Because um, you know the guy who owned the house, right? He'd lent the house to Jesus to have a meeting. And all these people had turned up because they loved to be around this amazing Jesus of Nazareth. I mean, they were packed in to the house like sardines. And these guys arrive with their friend who can't walk and they can't get into the house horizontally. But where there's a will, there's a way. So if you can't go in horizontally, you can always go in vertically. So can you imagine? They're standing there listening to Jesus and suddenly above their head, because these are flat roofs in that part of the world, there's a chip, 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 chip noise and the sunshine breaks in and this massive hole appears in the roof. The guy who owned the house must have been having apoplexy. You know, what are the Jerusalem Building Society going to make of this? haven't even finished paying the mortgage. And then the guy is lowered down through the roof in front of Jesus. <clears throat> when Jesus saw their faith, these guys who are now looking through the hole in the roof, you know, going, come on, Jesus, go on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law, remember them, they're the religious people, began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Because religious people are often posh. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> Jesus knew what they were thinking and he asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk? 
But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he'd been lying on and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. And ladies and gentlemen, we may well see, I'm sure we will see, remarkable things this morning in Jesus' name. Amen? Like to, uh, I'd like to offer you three invitations this morning to, to respond to. And it's important to respond, isn't it? Because uh, my mom always told me that it was rude not to RSVP. So three invitations to you, whoever you are, whatever you, wherever you're coming from this morning. And let me invite you to offer a response in your own life uh, to each of these invitations. And the first invitation is simply this. Right out of that story that we've just read, it's to experience the power of Jesus to heal you. Experience the power of Jesus to bring healing to your, to your life. Now, listen, folks, thank God for the NHS. Amen? Thank God for the NHS. There's not one person here today who, who is not a recipient of the help of the NHS. Am I right? So thank God for surgeons and doctors and nurses and physios and occupational therapists and psychologists and psychiatrists and all those wonderful people who do such a great job. And my friends who are involved in the medical realm, they tell me, they say, Gary, we do what we can do, but actually it's only God who can knit flesh back to flesh and bring around health over a period of time. And thank God for that. But what I want to share with you this morning is about those moments when God intervenes into a situation and totally accelerates healing in a person's life or actually brings about healing and wholeness in a moment. Because that's what was going on in this story and it's the sort of thing that God still does today. Let me tell you about a, a woman called Jackie, Jackie Dibley. Jackie lives in Newbury uh, down south, just off the M4. And uh, Jackie belongs to an Elim church. And, and one Sunday morning, she goes to church uh, in her wheelchair uh, she needs to go in a wheelchair because Jackie suffered with uh, tremendously bad osteoarthritis uh, and uh, fibromyalgia, you know, that sort of uh, illness that really affects people in really bad ways very often. And uh, she'd had this osteoarthritis and, and all these difficulties for many, many years. In fact, um, she'd been assessed and, and, and been told that she'd be on disability living allowance for the rest of her life. And she'd been on that for 10 years. Uh, she couldn't work, too much pain. She needed um, people to get her out of, head in the, out, of head, out of bed in the morning and to help her get back into bed. And more recently, she'd ended up with a trapped nerve down her back and into her right leg, which was causing her tremendous pain. Sometimes she could get around, you know those uh, crutches that sort of grab you around the forearm here? She could get around on a couple of crutches a little bit but a lot of time in a wheelchair. So she's in church on a Sunday morning and there's a young man, a young man's preaching that morning, a bit like this morning. 
And he wasn't the pastor. The pastor was away on holiday. Sometimes a lot happens when the pastor's away. And uh, this young guy, he was speaking about one of these stories in the Gospels where Jesus heals. There's lots of them. And at the end, this young man said, well, I guess um, just as we finish the service, if anybody would like prayer, um, why don't you come to the front and we'll pray for you. Now, that particular week, Jackie had ended up with a cough and a sty beginning on her eye. So she thought to herself, I'll go forwards and I'll get some prayer for this cough and this sty. So she came forwards and a bunch of people from the church gathered around her and began to pray for her. As they prayed in the next few minutes, the cough disappeared. And actually, even more amazingly, the sty on her eye shrank and went. And as they continued to pray, Osteoarthritis that had affected her life for so many years seemed to just disappear from her body. Later she discovered that she no longer suffered from fibromyalgia and this trapped nerve down her leg went as well. And she was so completely well that she pushed her wheelchair home at the end of the service. So a couple of days later on the Tuesday, she thought to herself, well, do you know what? I can't be a fraud. I'm really well now, so I better go and see the GP and report. So she made an appointment, went to see the GP, a a woman at the local surgery, and uh, Jackie strode in (laughs) to the GP's office. The GP's jaw dropped open onto the desk, and uh, she went as white as a sheet. And Jackie said, "Uh, hey, do you need some water? And the GP said, I think I need something stronger than water. And the GP examined Jackie head to toe, did all the tests, and I wish I'd brought it with me, I could show you, but I've got a copy, a photocopy of the letter from the GP to whom it may concern about Miss Jackie Dibley, who'd been presenting herself with all these major physical issues for years and years and years. And now, as far as the GP was concerned, she was completely well and no longer needed disability living allowance. Isn't that wonderful? It gets better. (laughs) Because one of Jackie's carers was her daughter, and her daughter would turn up later in the week to help her to get out of bed. So her daughter turned up later in the week. Jackie's waiting at the front door with a cup of tea. So the daughter said, Mom, what happened? So Jackie shared the good news. Her daughter was so blown away because she knew better than anybody how ill her mom had been. She came to church the next Sunday and in, in the presence of God, in the presence of God's people, she wept and wept and wept and wept her way to Jesus. Isn't that fantastic? Which is, the, which is the greatest miracle. Far bigger even than the physical healing that Jackie experienced. The miracle of someone's life being changed by Jesus in that way is incredible. Now the Bible says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. What that means is the same Jesus who healed this paralyzed man that we were reading about a moment ago is the same Jesus who is here this morning. He said, where two or three people gather together in his name, he's right there. Now, you can't see him, you can't reach out and touch him physically, but he's here in this place by his spirit. We call him the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus. And he's still in the business of doing the miraculous. 
In fact, we were just singing it. No matter how many promises God has made, they are all yes in Christ Jesus. All his promises are yes and amen. He's still the Lord that heals people supernaturally in the 21st century. So that's the first invitation that I believe Jesus wants to give us uh, this morning uh, to experience his power to heal you. And at the end of uh, our service this morning, I want to give an opportunity, if you're here this morning and you have an illness or a sickness, to receive healing. As I was driving here this morning from where I live in Worcestershire um, and praying in the car uh, with my eyes open, you'll be glad to know, I had a sense that um, I was saying, I was saying to God, God, is there anything in particular that you want to do this morning? I had this sense that a number of you here today, you have some... Uh, some serious breathing difficulties, whether that's asthma or what's that other thing, COPD, is that what it's called? You know, different uh, breathing difficulties and God wants to touch you in that area. I also believe that for some of you who are hard of hearing this morning, God wants to literally open your ears uh, and take away any, any sense of deafness that you might have this morning. And also, for those of you who, who are here this morning and you suffer with back problems, spinal problems, all of that, well, he's the Lord that heals us. Amen. So we're going to have an opportunity at the end to receive prayer, and I'll, I'll show you how we'll do that later. Here's the second invitation. It's an invitation to experience the power of Jesus to forgive you. Experience the power of Jesus to forgive you. Now, Can you imagine, let me ask you to imagine that you had been there on that day and you'd been in that crowd, in that house and the roof's been ripped off and this man is being lowered down on his mat in front of you. Probably this guy's looking over the edge of the mat thinking, oh boy, it's bad enough being a paralytic, I'm going to die in a minute. But they, they lower him down at the feet of Jesus. Now listen, as you look at that man lying there on the floor on his mat, here's the question, what does he need from Jesus? What's the obvious thing that he needs from Jesus? He needs to be healed, he's paralysed. Isn't it remarkable then, what Jesus says, says to him? Astonishing. Look what he says. Jesus says this, and I believe he says the same thing to you this morning. The same words. Here's what he says. Well, the first thing is incredible. He says, friend. He says, friend. I believe the Lord Jesus wants you to hear that word, that simple word this morning, friend. What a friend we have in Jesus all our sins and griefs to bear. And I'll tell you why it's remarkable, because actually as human beings, naturally, we are not his friend. We're his enemies. The Bible says that we've, we've turned our backs on him. He's wanted us to follow him. Jesus says, follow me. And we've said, we don't want to follow you. We want to do our own thing. We want to live our own life. We want to just um, be captain of our own destinies. And we've turned our backs on the one person in the whole world who loves us, not because of who we are, but in spite of who we are, we've turned our backs on him. And yet still this morning, he says, friend, friend. 
your sins. Oh yeah. My sins. And I'll look back over the years, the things that I've done that make me ashamed. The situations I've got myself into that leave me with that, that residual guilt inside. All of that regret over the things that I've been involved in. And Jesus says, friend, your sins. Because he says, I know all about you. I know about everything you've ever done, said or thought. Your sins are forgiven. Friend, he says, your sins are forgiven. And I want to say to us this morning, no other person on earth has the right to say that to you except Jesus. No pastor, no priest, no vicar, no minister, nobody has the right to say to you that your sins are forgiven except Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you why. Because he's the only one who's done everything that's necessary that means that you can start all over again. I've got a friend, just one. His name is Patrick Quinn. Guess where he comes from? Birmingham. <laughs> Patrick's a minister and some time ago he was praying one morning and he said to God, he said, Lord, would you show me afresh what it means that Jesus, the Son of God, died for me? And as he prayed that prayer, it was like a movie began to play in his head. And he was there on that day when Jesus was crucified and he was standing in the crowd at the foot of the cross. In front of him, he saw Jesus nailed to the cross, those big pieces of metal hammered through his wrists and through his feet. He looked at Jesus and saw that crown of thorns smashed down onto his head and the blood running from his forehead. And he watched as Jesus pushed up on the nail through his feet to breathe in and then exhale as he went down again and it continued. And the, the movie in his head was so vivid so real, he could almost hear the sound of the people around him who were laughing at Jesus and swearing at him and spitting in his face as he was being crucified. And it was a, it was a horrible, horrible scene. But as my friend was seeing this in his mind, suddenly it was as if the camera tipped upwards to above the cross. And what my friend saw above the cross was this big, open sewer pipe and out of this sewer pipe was pouring all of this, all of this filth, all of this dirt, all, all of this excrement actually and it was all pouring down over the, the body of Jesus as he was being crucified and internally Pat felt God saying this to him, do you understand? Do you understand? I want to say today that what my friend saw in his mind that day is right in line with what the Bible says happened to Jesus when he was crucified. Peter, one of Jesus' best friends, wrote about it and he said this. He said, he himself bore our sins in his own body 
when he died on the tree. He bore our sins in his own body when he died on the tree. What does that mean? It, was, it means this, that when Jesus went through the agony and the torture of crucifixion, he was taking upon himself the blame for all of my wrongdoing, for all of my dirt, for all of the filth in my life, for all of the accumulated rubbish of the years. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, he was saying, it's my fault. I did it. And he didn't do any of it. He was the purest man who ever lived. Jesus could say about himself, I am the light of the world. But when he died on the cross, he became total darkness. Because he took my darkness upon himself and yours as well. But here's the incredible news. That because Jesus took it all, you could know what it is today to be forgiven. I was talking to a student a while ago at a university in the north of England. She'd been following Jesus for two weeks. And I said to her, how does it feel? And she just answered with one word. She said, clean. Clean. She said, I just feel like all that muck's been washed away. I want to tell you that what Jesus did for that young woman, what he's done for me and for millions of other people in the world today, he wants to do that for you. Friend, your sins are forgiven. Here's the last thing as we come to a conclusion. It's this. It's an invitation to experience the power of Jesus changing your life. Experiencing the power of Jesus changing your life. Here is a man who comes into the presence of Jesus horizontal and depressed. But when he leaves from the presence of Jesus, Luke says he was praising God and vertical. That's quite a change, isn't it? Horizontal and depressed, praising God and vertical. That's the sort of Jesus that I follow. A Jesus who can change lives, who can turn things around. The Bible says this, it says when someone becomes a Christian, when someone chooses to follow Jesus, God makes them brand new. All the old has gone. It's finished. Everything has become new. Jesus has the power this morning to change bad habits into good habits, to turn wrong things into right things, to recreate you into the woman or man that God always intended you should be in the first place. That's what he does. That's the sort of person that he is, the living Lord Jesus. So my challenge to you this morning is this. Are you willing to accept the invitation? Are you willing to accept the invitation and find the miraculous power of Jesus at work in your life, changing things, making things brand new? Are you willing to come to Jesus and know what it is to be made clean inside and being given the opportunity to start over again? Are you here this morning as somebody who needs that supernatural touch of Jesus in your body 
to bring about healing. How does it work? Well, the good news is that you don't have to clean up your act before you come to him. You come just as you are. This man, he came just, he got no choice. He had to come just as he was, lying on a mat in need. And actually it was his friends who brought him to Jesus. That could be true for you today. The whole reason why you're here today could be because a friend brought you or a friend invited you, I don't know. But what I'm sure of is this, that we come just as we are with all of our issues, with all of our questions, with all of our um, uh, uh, habits and issues in our lives. We come to Jesus and we find that when we come to him just as we are, he brings about the most fantastic change. So I want to invite you in these next few moments to pray with me. And I want to invite you to take a step of faith. Because I believe that this morning, if you're here and you've never taken that step of putting your trust in Jesus, you could leave from church this morning brand new, totally transformed because of his power at work in your life. No one can force you to take that step. Love never forces you. Love always gives you the option. But I want you to know today, God loves you more than my words could ever say it. He cares for you. That's why he allowed his son to go through all the agony of the cross so that you could find forgiveness in a brand new life. And this morning, if you come to him just as you are, you'll find him to be all that you ever wanted, all that you ever needed. So we're going to pray together in these moments. Would you pray with me? Let's pray. You know, you, you don't have to close your eyes to pray, but I want to suggest that if it's possible, you do that with me this morning. I know that one or two of you may have small babies with you, and I understand that. But if you can close your eyes, that would be great. Because I want to speak with you as if, as if you and I were the only two people here in the Savoy Theatre this morning. Now, how difficult is that? There are people all around you, maybe friends, family, who knows. But just imagine it was just you and me. And let me ask you a question. And let me ask you just to answer it in your own mind. Not out loud, just in your own mind. Are you a Christian? Do you know God? Do you know God? I'm not asking you whether you simply believe there's a God or maybe like I was all those years ago, you believe sometimes. That's not the issue. Do you know him? Because Jesus said that God's a father, our father in heaven. And it's usual to know your dad. I know there are some sad exceptions to that, but it's usual to know your dad, whether that's a human dad or whether that's a heavenly dad. God wants us to know him. Has there ever been a moment in your life when you've take, made that conscious decision to give your life to Jesus Christ the way he gave his life for you on the cross? Have you ever opened your life up as it were to him and said, Jesus, I welcome you. I welcome you into my life. Because if not, I can't think of any better time or place 
than right here, right now in church to take that step of faith. So I'm, I'm going to pray a prayer that's very similar to the prayer that I prayed many years ago when I took that step. And it's a prayer that says three things. It says, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for walking away from you. Jesus, thank you that you died for me. And thank you that you're alive now. Please come into my life. So I'm going to pray that prayer slowly. And I want to invite you to pray it with me, just in your own heart, in your own mind. Because God hears the unspoken words that we pray. And I know that if you pray that prayer, He will answer it. Maybe you're here this morning and there was a time when you knew God, but you're like that prodigal who's walked away and you seem like you're a million miles away from God these days, but you want to come home, back to the Father. And if that's you, you can pray with me as well. The same prayer. So here are those words. And if they help you, maybe you can pray them in your own heart after me. God, I come to you today and I want to say I'm so sorry. I'm sorry for turning my back on you. I'm sorry for living selfishly. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you that you love me so much, you were willing to die on the cross for me. Thank you for taking the blame for all of my wrongdoing, for all of my rebellion against you. And thank you that you are here today And so I open my life to you now. And I'm asking you, please, come into my life. Bring your forgiveness and make me clean. God, pour your love into my heart. Please give me your power to change. And Lord Jesus, I will follow you all the days of my life. Thank you for hearing my prayer. And thank you for answering it. Amen. Amen. Folks, let's just stay with our eyes closed for a moment because I know that there are people here this morning who just prayed that prayer with me and you weren't playing games. You really meant business with God. Do you know what? God has already answered your prayer. 
you may feel that deep down inside, you know something happened. You may feel quite emotional about that. It could be that, that you're sitting there and actually you don't feel any different, but you know that you prayed sincerely. Well, the feelings will come. The, the sense of God's presence will come. Sure as day follows night. But what I'd like to do is this. I'd like to pray for you right now from where I'm standing if you prayed with me that prayer. And what I'd like you to do is this. Wherever you're seated in, in the theatre today, if you prayed that prayer in a moment, I'm going to ask you to slip one hand high in the air as a way of saying to God, God, here I am. And I prayed that prayer and I'm not ashamed of the fact. And of course, God will see that and I'll see it from where I'm standing here. And then I'll know to include you in a prayer of blessing as we come to a conclusion. So wherever you're seated right now, if you prayed that prayer with me in those moments, would you do that? Raise a hand high into the air now. Let me see your hand. Thank you. Just keep your hands up for a, a moment if you would. Just looking around the theatre to make sure I know who I'm praying for. Did you do that? Just raise a hand. Raise it high. Let me see it so I know who to include. God bless. Lots of people all over the theatre. Just wait, just wait for a second because for you, you're sitting there. You know you prayed. It feels like your arms have just turned into two lumps of lead. I know how that feels. But just be honest with yourself and honest before God. Did you pray? Would you raise a hand? God, here I am. Here I am. I prayed that prayer. Thank you. Just take your hands down. Let me pray for you. Father, for every woman and man who this morning is saying a big yes to following you. Father, thank you for your promise. You have said that you will never leave them and you will never let them down. So Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that in the days and weeks and months and years that lie ahead, they would find you to be so, so real in their experience. Bless them today. Bless them every day, I pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Why don't we welcome all these people into the family of God today? Isn't that wonderful? Fantastic. 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 Well, we've seen the biggest miracle we're going to see here this morning. So I think we'll go for some smaller ones. If you need prayer for healing this morning, whether it's one of those things I mentioned earlier or whether it's something else, um, why don't you just stand to your feet where you are? If you need prayer for healing, stand to your feet and I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing upon you and ask Jesus to touch your life right where you're standing. Just stand. Well, a lot of sick people in Northampton, that's fine. Okay, just stand. And what I'd like you to do, folks, if you're standing, is take a hand and put one hand just on your chest as a, a point of contact. Okay, just put a hand on your chest. And then just close your eyes and relax. You don't have to do anything. Just relax and just focus your thoughts on this God who loves you and who cares about you. Thank you, Lord. Father, we stand here in your presence in, in need this morning. And we thank you, Lord Jesus. You are still the same today as you've always been. And you are the Lord that heals. 
So just as uh, those men brought their friend to you, Lord Jesus, all those years ago, spiritually, I bring my friends to you right now, Lord Jesus. Wherever they're standing here right now, I bring them to you. And Father, in the mighty name of the risen Lord Jesus, I take authority here over every sickness, over every disease, over every pain in a person's body, over every infirmity that can be named in this place. And Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak to each body standing now and say, be healed in Jesus' name. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And Father, I pray, let your Holy Spirit come. The Spirit of Jesus fall on everybody standing now. Let your power, your healing power, go right through their system. Right through their system. Where, is there, where there is pain, let pain go now in Jesus' name. Where there is ongoing disease, let that disease leave these bodies now in Jesus' name. Where there is infirmity, I speak to those infirmities and command them to go in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now, Father, let your kingdom come and the power of your kingdom touching these bodies right now. Thank you, Lord. Let's wait a moment as God does what only he can do in, in bodies all over this place. Let your kingdom come, Lord. Let your kingdom come. Your rule, your reign in these bodies. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Let's all stand to our feet, folks. We're going to finish by singing together. Um, let me say this. If you were one of the people who raised their hand to say yes, Jesus, I've prayed that prayer. Here's what I'd like you to do before you leave church this morning. Tell somebody. If you're here with a friend, just tell them. Say, hey, can't remember his name, but you know the big fat bald guy? I prayed with him. And they'll be really glad to hear you say that, okay? They'll be thrilled to bits. But also, uh, when you go to the cafe area later, uh, if you've made that decision for the first time today, uh, we'd love to give you a free cup of coffee to say, well done, congratulations. So make sure you get that as well. And uh, also, um, if you were standing for healing, uh, you know, and you know the pain is gone, you know that you're feeling better, tell somebody, tell somebody. With some conditions, you've got to wait a little while, haven't you, to find out whether it's really worked. So for example, if it was uh, diabetes or something, you won't know straight away, but eventually things will become clear as you do your blood tests and you might need to go and see your GP and get it all checked out. Are you with me? So that's the way these things work. But God bless you. Uh, Jesus is great. You're wonderful. It's been great to be with you. God bless.